0: And welcome to episode 29 of the Hawthorne's Debate Club. My name is Jamie Clay, and I am joined every week by two gentlemen to have a few conversations and discussions about West Bromwich Albion. So let me start by saying a warm hello to my good friend Alex Collins. Hello. And hello to my little brother, Joe Clay. Hello. So we are edging closer and closer to Christmas. As of the time of recording, there are only 12 sleeps till Christmas how magical so it's all starting to feel a little bit festive and merry around the hawthorns though advent calendars might be half done The doom and gloom of a few weeks ago has melted and be replaced by a growing sense of optimism that this season may not end in the oblivion of the playoffs. And after an undermanned 1-0 win against Reading, there's a bit of a buzz all of a sudden around the Albion. And on top of that warm, fuzzy, festive feeling that we all have at the moment, we here at the Debate Club also have a gift of sorts to deliver. Because today, we will conclude our giveaway of Epic proportions. Yes, we will be announcing the winner of our first ever competition here on the Hawthorne's Debate Club, where the winner will be receiving a signed digital print of West Brom legend Chris Brunt, amongst a host of other goodies, courtesy of podcast legend WBART. Inspired, so stay tuned for the draw. But before we get to all of the fanfare, let me say a huge thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast. The glow of your love and support is all the Christmas cheer that we need. If this is your first time listening to the Hawthorne to bake club let me encourage you to relax perhaps lower the lights put some scented candles on pour yourself a mulled wine if you want and take a few deep breaths and if you enjoy the podcast please do continue to listen to us and spread the word to all of your loved ones trick them into listening if needs be as it is the season of giving Make sure to get yourself over to www.rtinspired.co.uk and check out all of the great stuff on his website, especially his West Brom prints. And when you get to the checkout, make sure you use the code THDC for buy one, get one free on all of the Albion prints there. It is the perfect place to grab a gift for an Albion fan in your life, a stocking filler or more perhaps. But make sure you get over there quickly because there's not too long left till Christmas now. So on this week's episode, we will discuss the Sickness Ravage game against Reading. We will get through some of the recent news. We'll also have some festive themed fun and draw our giveaway ahead of previewing our upcoming game against Barnsley. So let's start by discussing this match that was plagued with sickness and injuries ahead of kickoff. Bit of a novel team selection with a host of youth and academy prospects on the bench as well, which was lovely to see. It finished 1-0. It was a fairly one-sided game from the outset with Reading seemingly determined to come and hit us on the break, sitting in the low block as we've seen so many times, making it difficult for Albion to do anything creative or create chances but nevertheless, the breakthrough came in the second half when Robinson got the end of a Carlin Grant Carson, and kind of bundled it over the line, and that was enough to see off Redding and secure the three points. The three points we see us stay in third, but close the gap on the top two. So let's start off by asking the simple question we ask every week: What did you two make of the game? As Alex descends into darkness.
1: I think we played well the whole game, and that's not something we normally do. It's normally a game of two halves of us. But the mismatch team fared very well, didn't they? We had Livermore and Reach in the back three with Bartley. We had Furlong in his uh, usual position. We had Mowat and Malumby. We had TJ, as I like to call him, on the left. And uh, we had Hugo, Grant and Robinson, which we've seen out before. But I just think for a team that have never played together in those positions... They played really well. It was a hard job to go out there being hit by COVID. I'm sure they're all, you know, irritated by it because they had to play the game and we tried to get it called off. But they played well. Like the first half, we showed them what we were about, probably getting used to the new players on the pitch. We still played well with that. And in the second half, it took us time to break them down. But you could give the team the chance on that because obviously, like I said, it's a mixed match team. It's not like our first 11 out there. So we did break them down. The Robinson goal was brilliant. TJ put a ball through to Grant, which was lovely, outside the boot, down to Grant. And Grant's cross was brilliant. And if you watch Robinson's movement in that box, he's running to near the back post and then that pace to get before the defender. And it's like a chip, isn't it? Just about gets under the bar, maybe hits the bar. And yeah, it was just lovely to see them all run over to the youngsters, hugged and kissed and uh, probably broke the
0: COVID rules. But yeah. We're probably going to have no players next, uh, next week, so <laughs> it's all right. I like that we've now given Taylor Gardner-Hickman the nickname that he's been given by fans, TGH. We've shortened for even like more efficient use to TJ. I think fans will appreciate that. Al, what did you make of this
2: game as well? So I think the players did brilliant. They showed a lot of strength through adversity. So it's a very difficult situation with all the absence, particularly in defence. So I thought the players really stepped up and I think it showed the benefits of having or being so strict with your plan. You know, Ishmael having such a strong identity. So I think players were able to slot in and perform to a standard good enough to beat the team in the championship. Fair enough, the team aren't one of the better teams, but... Still, you know, with a bit of a handicap like we had, did really, really well. I thought TJ, I thought he played amazing again. At any position you play him, he seems to be the best player on the pitch. Huge potential. I'm getting Milner vibes at the moment. Definitely going to be one for the future. Really enjoying how the partnership between Robinson and Grant seems to be blossoming. They've both obviously got a lot of potential in the championship. And it's just a case of waking up the sleeping giants, you know, and getting them to find the key to unlocking their uh, goal streak. It was a really interesting match in the sense that, as you said, Joe, from the very
0: outset, it was clear that we were going to dominate. It's the pattern that we've seen emerge in other games where Albin quick out the blocks. There definitely seems to be periods of intensity rather than just flat out intensity from the start, which I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with and happy with watching. I understand that that kind of high intensity is probably not sustainable for 90 minutes, but there was this willingness to press There wasn't some of the kind of early trademarks of foul ball that kind of were irritating fans. The header volleys when the ball's in the air and just constantly pumping it back up into the air. There was a a real genuine attempt to get the ball down, chest control and distribute it along the ground and try and create chances like that. One of the things that excited me particularly about this game, I know when you look at the statistics, it looks like a lot of the games recently where we've just had an inordinate amount of shots, again, over 20 shots. And I think that statistic in previous games, especially during the slump a few weeks ago, was misleading because lots of people were saying, well, look, we're having lots of shots and shots and shots. But obviously a lot of those shots weren't really of high quality or they were shots from not threatening situations really and I think one of the things that I saw against Coventry and has flowed over into the Reading game was creating better chances all of the criticism that's been leveled at our front free not finishing chances you could again level at them in this game I'd probably say. Carlin Grant effectively missed an open goal when the keeper was kind of wildly out of position and even the goal that we did score Callum Robinson from my angle in the Woodman corner it almost looked like he did his best effort to miss it (laughs) despite it kind of nestling under the crossbar but there were certainly really good chances created in that game and I, and I think it largely comes down to players like Taylor Gardner-Hickman being in the squad Adam Reach whenever he gets on the ball is able to play like a range of passes that really it's its just diverse he's got more options than just route one Jake Livermore in defence as you two have said and I think most people have recognised had a really good game I don't know if he had a good enough game to say that he should be ahead of someone like Matt Clark or Cedric Kipre but it's certainly Certainly the best performance he's had this season. I don't know whether that's because... He didn't have to cover so much ground. He could just focus on one particular aspect of the game, but he certainly played well. But it was so cool that this experimentation kind of paid off. So often this season, it it almost feels like our hand has to be forced before we make changes. And when it does, we see the fruits of what diversifying can be. And I appreciate what you said, Alex, about having a strong identity. But I do feel that like Taylor Garden Hickman and players like that coming into the squad has only really come about through these kind of crisis that we faced one of the things that was exciting people before the game was all of these youth players on the bench a lot of them have caught the eye for the under 23s particularly Reyes Cleary um, has drawn a lot of plaudits because just purely because of the like Erling Harland number of goals he's scoring in the under 23s as the game progressed it, it did seem like they just brought them to the game to have a prolonged aerobics class on the side of the pitch what did you make of those guys being on the bench and perhaps would you have liked to have seen them introduced i know fellows was but more of them i think obviously
1: it was we were made to bring them obviously we didn't have enough players to be in the team so i think if he had to use them he would have used them but again it's a mismatched team and Some of those players probably wouldn't have fell into the team quite well. Cleary, do you want to start him in a team where he hasn't got all the centre-backs there? If he loses the ball, we haven't got a team fully equipped for that game. I think it's probably wrong of him to put someone like that into the team. I know he did bring bring fellows on, but he put him on at 86th minute. We closed shop. I think Reading were a bit down and out, and I don't think they wanted to go and get the points, to be honest. It looked like they weren't even trying at the end. So I do think he was just bringing him there to say, yeah, you can make it here. he is training with the first team now. Show us what you can do. Put the effort in and you will be on this and you might come off the bench or you might start a game If this because this will happen again. We, you know, we're in this situation where we will have an outbreak. You see it at Man United, you see it at QPR where that's just got cancelled for Monday, just gone. So they will get their chances and it might be one in one of these situations where it
2: is a COVID situation. I think it's a bit more complicated than just playing them as well. I think if you've got to manage sort of expectations of both the player and the fans as well, you've got to manage the egos. So if if you start playing some of these youngsters, do they think they've made it? They don't need to try any harder or do you tease them a little bit by bringing on perhaps the one that you wouldn't expect because he works harder? I think also as well, you put him in the shop window. If you start playing him and say if he starts scoring loads of goals, coming up to a transfer window, that's a bit dangerous. I'm not sure about his contract situation. I think there's so many different things that the, the manager, Ishmael, needs to think about.
1: I think you're totally right with the shop window comment. I think Cleary, his contract may be coming to an end or he's only got a year left and all we've got to be offered with our board probably is two, three million and he's gone. And I think you're totally right. If he scored a couple of goals or a goal in that match, people start getting to notice him already because he's done it in the Premier League too. He's come off the bench and scored against Reading who aren't a bad team. You know, they're at the bottom of that pack who can get into the playoffs after they win three or four games. They're back up into seventh, eighth. So I think you're totally right with the, especially with the comment around the shot window.
0: Because we don't want to say Alfie saying to Reyes' theory. Fellows came on though and had a really good game. Looks exciting, energetic. Certainly had a lot of a, attacking intent I think when we were trying to close the game down as you guys have said he came on and certainly was trying to bring a very positive impact rather than I guess that game management mode which I guess when young players are trying to impress, they want to come in and be a spark and make things happen and bring a bit of creativity, some flair to the game. Perhaps Reyes Cleary would have been looking to force something or perhaps show something of his ability in the game, when really Val was more interested in, I guess, kind of like I say, the game management aspects at that point. I think that's a. Reasonable
2: point, Jamie. I think it's a good idea not to risk the three points and to play the safe bit. The game finished with 57% possession.
0: We had 25 shots for us, 11 on target. They actually had zero shots on target. Andy Carroll was taking a hell of a lot of abuse in this match of the, the Albion fans. He's certainly making a lot of noise, spent most of his time barking at the referee. Did more in the kind of defensive third than the attacking third for Reading. In fact, one of the things I noticed about him that I don't know how Reading fans would have felt about this, but it was so frustrating to watch is that if the ball wasn't within three yards of his head, he wasn't going to make any attempt to move whatsoever to go and get it, uh, which made the defensives job really easy. So you Jake Livermore more in reach. I, I don't think they were overly tested against Reading because Bartley kind of one-on-one, toe-to-toe with Andy Carroll came out of. Who would win in a desert island brawl between Kyle Bartley and Andy Carroll?
1: Oh, I don't know. Andy Carroll with his hair down looks like a wrestler. He looks oh, like one of those yes. British, British wrestlers would go over there. So, I don't know. I do like that flavour. Yeah. Yeah, um, I
2: think Andy Carroll was a bruiser, and I wouldn't like to anger him, to be honest with you. He's quite a frightening guy, really. But I was just wondering, do you think Johnston should get paid if they've not had any shots on target?
0: No, I think it should be deducted money, if anything. Now, obviously, the team selection was massively impacted by sickness and injuries and COVID. On the Hawthorne's Debate Club here, we want to get to the centre of meaning. We're willing to explore the universe, the cosmos and sometimes that means navigating theories, conspiratorial, sometimes in nature. And Joe, you're gonna illuminate us as to a potential theory you have.
1: Yeah, but I don't know, I might expand on this injury. So last week we were talking about Dean Garner and the Space Jam episode.
0: The uh, Space Jam ma- Theory, as we're now calling it.
1: The Space Jam Theory, that his powers were taken by aliens and They're now having a football match in the Warner Brothers solar system in space. But I think this COVID-19 cases, Kipri, Clark, Townsend, Ajay and Diangana, they haven't been playing well recently. They've all been stolen and they've all had to go to outer space to go and get their powers back. Maybe Kipri is going to come back like the best footballer in the
0: world. (laughs) I think this is really intriguing to me, that idea that their powers are stolen and explaining Dean Garner's poor form, and that they've actually ventured into deep space in order to combat an alien race, in order to restore the powers. Listeners if you think about it really, Jay
1: has been out of the team for a good three or four weeks. Maybe his powers went, and
0: that's where he's gone as well. It's just, it all makes sense to me, we haven't been playing that well. Can I just ask one question of the theory, and I don't know how much you've examined this up until this point. If they come back and they're still crap, <laughs> does that mean that they lost to Bugs Bunny or the aliens? Who who won the matchup in space if they're still crap?
1: It would have been the aliens, I'd, I'd believe. I I'd, I'd believe the Garner and uh, Jay Townsend, Clarker and Kipri alongside Bugs Bunny.
0: Oh, they for the powers of good. Well, I mean if they are, if you're listening to this right now, you're in the far reaches of the universe, we wish you the best of luck against these Martians that have stolen your powers. The uh, Monstars. The monsters, that's correct. Yeah. And we and we hope that you are successful in restoring your powers and you're not enslaved by an alien empire anywhere in the universe. Do you reckon Alex? we've got any extraterrestrial listeners? <laughs> I'm going to confidently say yes, we have. Well, the Monstars are definitely listening to it now, aren't they? We're in for it. Our powers of podcasting are going to go. And I mean, if they could pick any podcast in the world to harvest the powers of, it would undoubtedly be this one. Yeah. Alex, you're not afraid of crossing the conspiracy theory minefield as well, as he takes a, a sharp inhale of air. Oh, you also have a conspiracy theory as to some of the natures of these injuries. Would you care to share that?
2: Yes, yeah, so my theory is that Bartley's the only defender that hasn't got COVID. We were discussing this earlier. We think it might be because his beard harnesses special powers, which act as kind of antivirus slash natural vaccination of viruses. We're not afraid of discussing the big issues
0: on the podcast, and we're certainly not afraid of dipping our toes into scientific and clinical waters. And I think we can confidently say that Kyle Bartley is potentially the world's answer to the pandemic.
1: Yeah, if you can beat Andy
2: Carroll going at you, you can beat COVID, can't you? Yeah, he's got a good defense against it, hasn't he? (laughs) Nice.
0: (laughs) Nice. I think if you imagine like COVID-19 particles floating through the air and wh- where they they land on other, but Carl Bartley rises like a salmon and just merely heads them away. He's just refusing the droplets with these kind of defensive clearances.
2: If you can imagine that. cells, Jane. They're just smaller versions of Carl Bartley, and they exactly. just exactly head heading head these little virus cells away. He cannot be touched by
0: the virus because of his defensive instinct. More clearances in the championship than any other player this season, I believe. So I guess this result has kind of brought a little bit more optimism on top of the optimism that was there after the Coventry game people walking around from the game not just necessarily the result not necessarily the points but again the, the nature of the is has been really encouraging It's certainly seemed like we've turned a corner from what was kind of upsetting most Albion fans that we were playing this really ugly foul ball whatever it was it seems to have kind of morphed into something certainly more pleasing on the eye. But obviously on the same day, Fulham and Bournemouth both stutter again. Now for all of the stones we throw at Albion for where we were a couple of weeks ago, Fulham and Bournemouth really are struggling for form recently. And I think that's one of the things that's been so noticeable about the championship this season. I know it's really compact and squished up, but how no one seems to be invincible at all. Has this closing of the gap between us and Fulham and Bournemouth, has that made you kind of reconfigure what our prospects are for the end of the season?
1: I'm going to still go for, I did say at the start, Bournemouth won't be in the top two. I didn't say we would be, but I don't think Bournemouth will because I just don't think the manager's good enough. But then you see Blackburn doing well, and it's all about just our game now. And I don't think we need to worry about anybody else. If we win our games, we're going to be in the top two, aren't we? And I think Big Val, I know I've been a bit harsh on him saying that he may be out of a job. And I don't actually, I don't think I've been harsh. I think it is around managers now. If you lose a couple of games, and especially in a job that Albion are trying to do, go up straight away, he's been adapting to it now. And like Jamie said, uh, TJ came in and he's been lucky with some of those players coming in and they've been actually a brilliant addition to the team. So he's adapted and he's changed the football a lot from the original where it was just pump it up and try and get that second ball because it wasn't working for our team. We weren't getting the second ball and it was all just always coming back. So I just think Big Val needs to do that thing where we don't look at the league. You know, All the players say, oh, we don't, we don't look at the league
2: and just focus on our next fixture and win it. Wise words, Joe. Have you been playing football manager again recently?
1: No, I haven't. I haven't. I'm
2: going to leave that to New Year for everybody.
1: So that's uh, their New Year present.
2: Yeah, I think Ishmael has, you know, he's been through a bit of a turbulent spell in the last month or two. And I think he really has done well to turn it around. He's timing it perfectly. Hopefully, we can go into the the busy Christmas period in a rich vein of form and really like capitalise and start creeping up the table. So that concludes our
0: talk about the game let's move on to some news to discuss loads of things going on at the moment around the albion obviously so much of it is related to the pandemic and uh, the same as everyone else we don't know what's going on and what's going to happen obviously there's certain regulations coming in uh, and that will be enforced at the grounds um, and the albion keep releasing updates as to regards what's necessary to enter into a ground but beyond that and perhaps news that reflects better on the, the pitch. The Albion's women team, as we like to keep track of, have won 5-1 against Long Eaton United. Again, some of the goals in this game, if you get a chance to kind of go and look on their Instagram page, some of the goals are up, genuinely spectacular goals. And obviously, they post on there, and they obviously post some of the reactions to the game from the players and whatnot. Really do go and give them... Um, follow and support them any way you can. They are on an amazing run at the moment and they don't just win games, they win in style more often than not. In other news, the under-23s continue to show signs of promise, especially in an attacking sense. They're in the FAU Cup today. Um, They've beaten Rotherham 3-2. Rico Richards has returned and he's bagged himself a goal. Andreas Cleary has secured himself another brace continuing this amazing uh, scoring record he has in the under 23s so as much as what we said earlier is true it's certainly very exciting to see him scoring so many goals and i do wonder how far off now he really is from breaking into the kind of first team i know he's been they've announced that he's training with the squad but um i would be very very excited to see what he could do as a potential spearhead to our attack
1: yeah i think we need to take the german approach and just put him in they use the youth from the English and just put them into the team. They fail, they fail. Would they sell them back to a club like Albion, like Ollie Burke? And, you know, you, everyone's a winner,
0: aren't they, sir? Nobody loses out in a deal when Ollie Burke's involved. No, that's Chris Wilder. Speaking of Chris Wilder, there was some interesting news that emerged this week. Joe, please elaborate for us. I think it was mentioned in the
1: live commentary of Coventry West Brom that he was like a consultant at the Albion before he got his Middlesbrough job. So I don't know what that was to be. I haven't looked into it too much, but it has been on social media and around on news articles. That, that was true. So we might have to find out a bit more about that and report further in the weeks.
0: I think one of the interesting things about that is, is his leaving to go to Middlesbrough any coincidence that our turn in form, is there any correlation there? Do the data points map up that Chris Wilder was kind of the anchor dragging us backwards, slowing us down?
1: It could be. It could be not. But it was Val, apparently, who wanted him in to help out. So maybe it was to make those three centre-backs a bit more attacking. Maybe progressed Val Ishmael's management as well.
0: I just like the idea of a Chris Wilder, Valish male tag team. Dudley Boys. Exactly. They were going to be the Wilder. Get the table. <laughs> they were going to be the re emergence of the Dudley Boys. That's absolutely true. Some other interesting news that's kind of popped up on a lot of people's radar is this discussion about Albion players in their final six months of their contract. They include, and I will list them for you right now Sam Ewell Johnston, Jacob Livermore roberto snodgrass and david button is that his first name (laughs) david david king david button any thoughts about would you keep them on would you re-sign any of them i think obviously sam johnson is a well almost exhausted conversation now that if we can get something from in january it will be a bit of a bonus but even then there's a discussion should you just keep him till we get promoted and kind of risk lose him on a free Mm. that conversation's Let's bury that one. What about Livermore, Snodgrass and Button? I think Livermore, if you could get a
1: promise, a pinky promise, if you will, from Val Ishmael to say he's not going to play him every game because he's captain, I'd have him on the bench and also in the dressing room for these youngsters who are coming through. Your for guard his card tricks. Yeah, for his card tricks. I'd have him, but only for a year. If he got to the premiership, he might be good if we we're winning the match to bring him on and take players down.
0: And get a yellow card. Yeah 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 i think it's interesting that you use legally so freely on the podcast there Um the pinky pomeris obviously being something of a clause in the contract al any of them that you're keeping button i mean joe didn't even mention him he's been fairly anonymous at the albion he's come in and i've actually think he's played well when he started in cup games and stuff like that he's he's been reasonable in my opinion i don't think he's as good as I don't think he's as good as Sam Johnston, but I do think that he's been reasonable despite Joe's singular utterance of the word Bournemouth.
2: Al, how about you? What struck me is that we've got a potential goalkeeper crisis if both Johnston and Button leave. But at the same time, it's it's what an opportunity for somebody to see that there's no goalkeeper there, so they're likely to get a game. You know, so it'd be a good sort of team to come into. TGH pops up in goal. He could do a job John- still, sorry. I reckon. I think uh Livermore, I'd definitely keep him. I wouldn't even think twice about that. I think keep him until he retires now, just because he knows the club. He's been here for quite a while now and you know, he does seem like he's got some good characteristics that are useful to have around the camp. Snodgrass, I think he's fallen out with Ishmael, hasn't he, reportedly? And if he has, then I probably would look to let him go. But if, if there's an olive branch or if there's any way of reconciliation, then you know I would keep him. Because so again, I think he's a good player to have around. He's done it before. He can help the youngsters and so on and so forth. I'd love Johnson signing new contracts. Mm. I just can't see it happening, though.
0: That sounds like a bit of a Christmas wish to me, Alex. I don't know if you've put that on your list for this year. No, I just wish on stars. (laughs) 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 Talking of stars and following yonder star and being all thematic about the time of year, Silent Nights and whatnot and Baby Jesuses, obviously this is the time of year when so many of us are preparing ourselves for Christmas. And one of the central traditions of Christmas, beyond the turkeys and the tree and whatnot, is the Christmas party. May have already had them, perhaps we've still got them to come. And they are a place of frivolity and merriment. Sometimes, occasionally, alcohol is imbibed at these events. There were some photos released, the West Brom players and their Christmas party where they entertained Squid Games, fancy dress, am I correct? You are correct. I think they were playing
1: paintball or whatever, something like that, wasn't there?
0: It was very charming, whatever the case may be. But obviously, when Christmas parties come along, there are certain stereotypes, certain roles that different people within the department, perhaps at your place of work, fulfill at the event. So what we're gonna do here as the debate club is go through a list of stereotypes and roles and we're gonna suggest put forward who we believe would fulfill that role amongst the Albion Squad. And it's all done tongue in cheek, with lots of love and Christmas spirit. We don't mean to offend or upset anyone at all. We promise. Do you promise? I promise. I pinky promise. Business jargon from Joe there again. Alex, his promise is slower. I don't coming. I don't do promises, I'm afraid. Well, Alex, for all your libel cases, we wish you good luck. Let's continue. <laughs> with this part of the podcast. So, at our Christmas party, the first character we have to assign is the gift giver. The one that comes with the the beautifully wrapped gift. Who would be that amongst our Albion team? I've gone for Callum Robinson. Most assists. He's the gift giver. That's very good. Very true. He is I think Carlin
1: Grant would agree to you there. Yeah, he's definitely that. He's not the gift giver on that game where he couldn't
2: pass a blooming ball, but yeah. <laughs> I I've think... got somebody who will give him a run for his money. Taylor Gardner Hickman, just for having a gift.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Something of a specialness about him. Yeah, like, exactly. I think they're both really worthy candidates, to be totally truthful. I think, like, Carlin Grant has come out and said how he owes Callum Robinson one because he keeps serving it on a, a plate for him. And I think, like, you, Alex, the emergence of TGH has been a gift for all of the fans. It really has. Uh, I don't know who I'd decide. Not that it's my role to decide here, um, but those two seem like very, very worthy gift givers in this scenario. The only one that I could think of was Jake Livermore being the gift giver of a poorly timed tackle leading to a set piece opportunity for the other team in a dangerous part of the match. Thank you, Jake, for sharing your gift.
2: Can I just take you to my research corner? Cue the music. So I'd just like to say that uh, Callum Robinson has actually uh, assisted six people to score a goal this season so far.
0: The numbers back up the gift giver. Let's continue then. Like I said, no party would be complete uh, without an appearance from Santa Claus, from Father Christmas himself. Who would be the player at the
2: Albion who would fulfil the role of Santa Claus in your mind at the office party? I would have to say uh, Kyle Bartley, just because he's got that immaculate beard. He needs to go a bit greyer, I've got to admit, he needs to get it. Maybe in the future, if he gets a bit older and goes grey, he might be even better for this role. But yeah, I definitely think uh, Kyle Bartley would fit the bill.
0: That beard is Are a it? long way from grey. Let me say that. That is oh, it uh, is. That is like obsidian black.
1: Yeah, it shines, doesn't it?
0: it Glisten, nice. Yeah. I bet he's got a yeah. nice texture
1: he definitely put, you know, like at Christmas, you know those people who used to put those baubles on his and some glitter in it. It would work really well with his beard. Yeah, it's dense. Yeah. I was going to go for more of a someone who's more of the hilarious, you know, Joker type who would dress up as Santa for fun. Would be Snudders Because you always see him as he's the practical Joker, isn't he? And no one, it wouldn't be fancy dress, and he'd turn up in fancy dress. He's oh. the funny guy.
0: Snodders, here he's come. Yeah. Yeah, old Saint Snodders, fun. strolling in. <laughs> Into with, his banter. Yeah, yeah, with his banter. He's only bloody brought reindeers with him, and not he? <laughs> <laughs> I th- I've thought about this one a little bit, and I think the it's obvious who it would be. Apart from Alex and the glorification of facial hair, I think it would be Jake Livermore. He's like the central figure in the dressing room. And I I can imagine him, like, the players come along and they sit on his knee and he he mentors them and he encourages them. And I just think Jake Livermore, he's the one who wants to impart the most wisdom and well-wishing, in my opinion. Right, the next character, who is going to be our emotional wreck? There's always that one person at the Christmas party that gets upset and breaks down. Who is that going to be for us?
1: I've got two for this. I'm gonna go oh. for a bit of a. It, it is an emotional one. I'm gonna go Keen Brian because obviously, oh my gosh, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah, obviously he had one game and then obviously it was. Um, oh man, that's out, so true. I feel really season. bad saying this now. Yeah, but there's also another one when Reach counts the Albion. He had a bit of a emo type of fringe, and I think okay, Reach cool. looks like that emo. He looks like he's gonna be listening to. Hawthorne Heights or Taking Sunday. Back some, yeah, yeah, I knew it straight away. And he's going to go straight to the DJ and ask him for those, putting them on in the middle of the
0: dance floor, crying. Cool. I mean, I've, I can't add to that. Keen Bryan has broken my heart there.
2: Yeah, yeah I can't game. add to that either. I think Keen Bryan has got to, like, for, you know, it he must, he must be so difficult for him. Alex is genuinely
0: getting emotional. <laughs> bit of a tearjerker episode of the Hawthorne Spike Club. Let's move on quickly that before, in fact, audience, just have a few deep breaths, get yourself back on track. And we're going to continue trying to make this fun and festive rather than oddly traumatic. <laughs> Who would be the Grinch? Who's there to spoil the fun? I'm going to say one,
1: and this is going to annoy all the players in the thingy. When Val all came out... All I'm the a- players
0: that listen to this podcast. Yeah, of course it is.
1: When Big Val... Val that's who the Grinch is. Came out and says, I'm always playing Livermore. I'm always uh, playing it." <laughs> so that is the Grinch move, isn't it? It's like, well, we're never going to get in that position. That's one less position I can play. I think he is the Grinch. Even though he's been he's been good recently, I think he is the Grinch. He's the one who ju- chooses the team. So he's always going to be on the bad books of the players.
2: I agree, Joe. But not because I don't... I think he really enjoys Christmas. and what, he, he, he strikes as being quite a family man. But I think with the team, he wants to make sure that they're on top of the game and they're not out gallivanting till the early hours of the morning and they're, they're focusing on the next game. So I think he's going to be a bit of a—he's going to spoil the fun uh, for the players. Do you think he's um, banned
1: ketchup? You know, like Steven Gerrard—that was the first thing he came into Aston Villa and banned ketchup. He did. So do you what? think uh, Val? Yeah, it's loads uh, uh, those- of Loads of managers do it. They ban ketchup because of the calories and all that. There's a load of calories and uh, condiments. Steven Gerrard,
0: you're a monster. You're a Grinch. Yeah,
1: I think Big Val may have done that as well.
0: And that's led to a resurgence in form. Well, I mean,
2: yeah, Val, you're the Grinch. Sorry, mate. I think James Morrison might have something to say about Ishmael being the Grinch as well. He it might, he might be this good cop, bad cop relationship that might have might have going on where James Morrison keeps them all, you know, whipped, whereas Ishmael, you know, gives them loads of carrots. Whipped with his fists, like he did to Sado Berrino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, now that's
0: cool. We've got our Grinch, Valerian Ishmael, Let's move on to perhaps one that could be potentially controversial, I guess. The office drunk. There's always one person that drinks too much at one of these do's. So let's go. Let's go for it. Who's it going to be? Stereotypical. The Irishman, Dara O'Shea, isn't it? Uh, I didn't want to play this card necessarily. Me and Joe, both of Irish heritage. So Dara O'Shea, yeah, I can sign off on that one pretty quickly. Not suggesting for one minute that Dara Shea, I don't know Dara Breen then. Dara Shea has a problem with alcohol whatsoever. The consummate it's professional, problem. I'm
2: sure. Got I reckon uh, TJ might be a, a candidate for this one because he's young and impressionable. So he'll be trying to show off by showing how much he can drink. And then before you know it, he's uh, dancing on the table.
1: Mm, I bet drinks in Starbridge Park. Probably, yeah. Uh, he's probably down at Picture House or Lloyd's Bar. No, I beg to differ on this because Damien Damien Rice, I keep saying his name, Damien
0: (laughs) Rice (laughs) or
1: whatever his name, he hadn't had a beer, had he? That was that thing about Euros, if they won the Euros, he would have a beer. And I think Saka said the same.
0: So I think because they're in football from so young, they don't drink at all. Last one, the workaholic. Who's the workaholic in the office? The rugby player, Mawad yeah. It's got to be Mallet, hasn't it? It's so he's, he's the teacher's teach
1: is better than they
0: say. I think that wraps up our Christmas party fairly swiftly. There, The festivities, um, I'm sure they've had fun. Um, and obviously all of that was a bit of fun. And we don't mean any harm to anyone. Um, apart from Alex, who, as I said, made no promise at the start of this segment. But that's the office party complete. Did you enjoy it? Joe's just walked off. Yeah, it was good. And came back. Thank you, Joe. You go again now. And Alex remains impartial by remaining silent. Right. So to continue the good feelings, the good vibes, the festivities that we've just been speaking about, let's move on to our giveaway. Remember, it is a giveaway of Epic Proportions. And we've been very excited about this. We've been running for a while. We've had loads of people start following us. Loads of people get involved with our social media posts. And if you have, thank you very much. We have an exhaustive list of people who got involved with the giveaway. I have put all of your names into one of these, like, spinner wheel things that select someone random. I've used a website called wheelofnames.com. And what we're going to do is we're going to spin this wheel And we're going to see who will be the winner of our signed Chris Brunt digital print, courtesy of WBART Inspired. I cannot thank WBART enough for his role in this giveaway. He has been instrumental in not just obviously being the person who provides all of what we're giving away, but in the organization of it. He's done all of the graphics for it. He's basically helped me run it through the instagram as well and so we're super excited that he's given us this opportunity to run this giveaway so just a massive shout out to him definitely do go and check out his stuff because the dude is simply wonderful but the time is now and it's the moment you have all been waiting for the moment when we draw a winner of the chris brunt signed print are you excited boys very excited i've never seen this website before it's quite cool Okay, so the moment of truth has arrived. This is it. Let the tension build for a split second. I'm going to click the spinner wheel now. Are you ready, guys? boys I'm ready.
2: Can I just say, before we do this, uh, Jamie, I love the fact that you've got a thorough look at Star Wars Dark Forces as a tab. That's Thank
0: it. you, Alex. This is what I also watch in my hour-long video essays on games. <laughs> Thanks for having me there, Al. Right, let's go. Let's go. I'm clicking the button now. Oh, it does it sound like slow slowing. It's slowing. <laughs> Gosh, this wheel's taking a while. And I am very delighted to say that we have a winner. It is. I'll do the, shall I say it, boys? You can go ahead. It is the Black Country drummer, that's Anthony Tonks, uh, through our Instagram. So thank you, Anthony, for following, sharing, doing everything that you've done. And you will now be the proud recipient, recipient as well, of a Chris Brandt signed digital print and other goodies.
2: Jamie, you've got to make sure it's a decent drum roll. (laughs) Well done. Congratulations. I hope you have many a good year with your new winning.
0: I'm sure he will. This will take prized place in a, a man cave of some description, perhaps a studio that he has, a mantelpiece, perhaps. But yeah, Anthony, get in contact with us. That's... The only way you're going to get your prize ultimately. <laughs> Do get in contact with us. You can message us through Instagram uh, or Twitter or, or whatever it is. And you message us and we'll put you in contact with um, WBART, the very man himself. Uh, And he will get you all of your goodies. But thank you, everyone who entered. Thank you for sharing all of it. Please do continue to share our post. We really appreciate it. We're keen to get this to as many ears as possible. uh, And we will be doing future giveaways as well. So don't be afraid to continue listening to the podcast as well. But once again, a massive congratulations to the Black Country drummer, Ansi Tonks. You now own Chris Brunt's likeness with his autograph on it. How exciting. Who wouldn't want that? So very, very true. Right, let's quickly get on to our game preview because, again, this is looking like a long one, guys. Uh, We have an upcoming match against Barnsley that is taking place on Friday, the 17th of December, at quarter to eight. We're going to head over to Alex now in his research corner to fill us in with all of the bits and pieces we usually like to avail ourselves ahead of a match
2: Okay, so the nickname is the Tykes. I don't know what that means. Uh, also, that Colliers. Of... Also, I don't know what that means. Are they like types of dog? Could be, couldn't it? Like a bulldog. It is, yeah. It's, yeah,
1: it's like a dog, isn't
2: it? Or the Reds. The Crimson Dogs.
1: Uh, the
0: Scarlet yeah. Hounds. <laughs> Scarlet Hounds. That sounds like a good one. I'm like, I feel like I'm starting to like, like a a mystery novel
2: now? Sherlock Holmes
0: and the Scarlet
2: Hounds. (laughs) There you go. You heard it here first. Jamie's the author of Sherlock
0: Holmes. It goes right for various (laughs) mystery novel writers. Please continue, Alex. So,
2: Joe, any ideas what the uh, spirit animal is?
1: I'm just going to put my two penny in here. Don't like Barnsley. Live in Rotherham. Lived in Sheffield. No one likes Barnsley.
0: But the spirit human...
1: (laughs) for their team.
0: Why is it always on this segment Joe decides to blow up our eardrums? Is <laughs> our
1: one and only Valerian Ishmael. He's done the best for them for a, a recent while, so I'm going to put Valerian Ishmael as their spirit human. This they'd
0: concerns to... me massively though, that you've done that. Uh, conflict yeah, but of they... interest.
1: Yeah, I know, but they'd love to have him back, wouldn't they? They didn't want to lose him. So,
0: I'm going to give him it's ominous that he's returning and there's some sort of spirit animal feature totem to these dogs the tykes, the colliers or whatever they are and we're giving them our manager as their kind of patronus their Harry Potter spell to battle, do battle with and I'm concerned that it's our manager
2: <laughs> going into that battle okay thanks for that Joe so Barnsley sit 23rd in the table played 22 games they've won 2 it's so not a lot they've drawn 7 They've lost 13 with a minus 19 goal difference. So there should be lambs for the slaughter. Uh, According to whoscored.com, the style of play is 3-4-3. They like to take long shots, attack through the middle, play the offside trap and rotate the first team. Their strengths include uh, direct free kicks, uh, long shots and stealing the ball. As we always say, hopefully not at the end of the game. Post-match. Weaknesses include keeping possession, finishing... And defending through balls and skill. The manager is Marcus Schopp, and the, the key players are Woodrow as the top goal scorer with four goals. The top assist is Britton with three goals, and the star man is Helik O'Hilik with a 7.06 rating. He plays in central defence. So I think these guys will be, dare I say, a pushover. Easy 3 0 victory here. Ominous foreshadow gonna coming on this, I've been to, I think, three
1: away games at Barnsley. I have never seen us win. We always play terrible and they always beat us. So I think their weaknesses are the same as our weaknesses, keeping possession. Well, not so recently, but in past, keeping possession, finishing is definitely our weakness, defending through balls. And skills. So I, I think this is going to be a tight one, to be honest. I think it's one there where Valerian Ishmael's tactics are known, even though the manager might not know him. Some of the backroom staff, some of the players were there last season. I think this is going to be one where they try and get one over on their old manager who left them and look where they are now. So I think they're going to come out and play. And I think this is going to be a hard draw. And I think it'll be a well-earned draw at Barnsley on a Friday night, to be honest, in the winter and it's,
0: it's cold up north, I tell you. I tell thee. I think it's, someone said to me, I think it was a dad said that, is it this true? We can fact check this later. Let's, in fact, let's do what we do best on the Hawthorne's debate club. Let's not fact check anything. Let's just say it as though it is complete truth that we haven't beaten Barnsley at Oakwell since the 40s. I believe that's the statistic. Well, I've been to three games and I haven't seen us win. So I'd say it's true. And were any of them in the 40s? No, but it sounds true because we always play bad. Mm. Very good. I have the same hesitancy about this match. I think everything you read on paper about this match, third versus 21st free-flowing, attacking the most high-pressing team in the country, or in the championship at least, versus clear relegation, struggling sides you'd have Al being down to win all the time. I think the history is important. I don't think you can overlook that. I do think Oakwell is a, although it might not appear that way this season, is a difficult place to go for us historically. And I also agree that this kind of, not to dip into the conspiracies again, but you can see just reading that kind of information out there, Al, about what their teams like, their strengths and weaknesses, how they still seem to have the shadow of Valerian Ishmael over them. They still seem to be built very much in his mould, and I, I do wonder if that could be used against us in, in some way like Joe. I'm going to go ahead and make my prediction first, which is an unusual thing. I think we will draw one all.
1: I'm going to go on the back of that, and I think it will be a 1-1 draw, and I think it will be Grant to score.
2: 3-0. Is it Dean Garner, though? Yeah. I've got it uh, till the new give year. Us, give us, us something else.
1: If Dean Garner's not playing... If he's not back from outer space... Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think Taylor gardner Hitman will get his first goal. I reckon Robinson and Grant getting one each as well, maybe. Almost. I quite like that mix.
0: I like that cocktail of scorers. There's more we could say, I'm sure. But I feel it's best to land the podcast here. It has been a long episode of the Hawthorne's Debate Club. There have been highs. There have been lows. I'm thinking of you, Keen Brian. But we've been through it together. And we are still, like I said, just 12 sleeps away from Christmas. And the next time we speak to you will be less number of sleeps to Christmas. But I think we're done for today, yeah? You
1: keep saying 12 sl- sleeps
0: and 11 sleeps. Whatever, don't care. <laughs> so well done to Anthony Tonks, the Black Country drummer, the winner of our giveaway. All that remains for me to say today is thank you to Alex. Cheers. Thank you to Joe. Cheers. And thank you for listening to the Hawthorne's Bay Club and we'll see you next week. Sweet dreams.